through comedy, I've actually really learned to be a little bit more giving as opposed to being more selfish mm. uh, because I produce a lot of shows, uh, you know, like this uh, gay F comedy show that, I, that I've that uh, i been doing for the past couple of years, showcasing queer comedians. Uh, it feels really good to do, to give people a space where they can do that and have a, have a space where you know the audience is going to appreciate and understand what you're doing because that's what we're all looking for is that connection when we're doing comedy so yeah it's been it's it's funny how doing something that's so one person on stage i feel uh less selfish than i did 15 years ago about you know what i'm doing i'm like i'm actually just enjoying the ride now which is uh which is a which is a great thing to do as an artist Today on the Creative Imbalance Podcast, we're joined with comedian, writer, producer. The man does it all. His name is Robert Watson. Uh, he's currently got some shows going on. If you're listening to this currently on August 24th and 28th in Toronto, Courtyard Comedy. And it coincides with his brand, Gay AF, which is a platform he made for the LGBTQ community to do stand-up and flourish in their talents. And yeah, this is an awesome talk. Like, this is the first time... Uh, I really got to learn about that scene and everything. Also, we learn about his story, how comedy became such a part of his identity, and around all that, just have one of the most introspective looks into the art of stand-up. This was such a great talk. I love Robert's energy, and even after talking to him, it just made me want to work harder on my own stuff. Like I said, the man does it all. Performer, writer, producer. So much knowledge, and we're going to share that with you today. So let's not waste any time and let's get into this. Really nice to meet you, man. Yeah, likewise. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I see you got the branding in the background. Perfect. Oh, I did, yeah. yeah. Hey, I did. Like, I mean, it's because of the online shows I had to do, right? You got to have that stuff in behind you. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, uh, I look at your resume. Obviously, the comedy is like such a huge part of your life, too. And you mentioned online shows and, uh, I know it's been like such a fucking crazy year for almost everybody oh who's in entertainment. Um, how was like the transition to like maybe doing comedy from the stage to like Zoom calls and everything like that? I mean, it was an adjustment. I mean, I I, I had just found out what Zoom was and suddenly I was doing comedy on it, you know? So uh, yeah. it was, uh, I mean, we're used to video calls. The idea of having an audience uh, through Zoom was pretty interesting just because, you know, you don't have that same audience connection as you would in person. Uh, so it was, it's like, you know, doing comedy to avoid, or it's like, you know, if you're doing comedy and you're bombing and no one's laughing, that's what every Zoom feels, <laughs> Zoom show feels like. <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine. Even um, with doing my show, I used to uh, do it in a studio, which is like no longer there anymore because of COVID stuff and stopped yeah. running. But uh, it changed everything for me and almost like the opposite of a performer. It just kind of made things a little easier. Like I was so like, uh, I don't know, like uh, strict about like these episodes need to be in person. And now it's like, oh, this is just easier. I can set my alarm <laughs> for like, we're doing this at 12. I can set it for 11.55, roll out of bed. <laughs> you know, okay, huh? I don't have to travel across town, but I don't know. It's 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 crazy how everything's changed. And yeah, well, there, there definitely is that that element of like, oh, it's easier. Like, you know, that a lot of comedians make jokes. Oh, I don't have to wear pants now while I do comedy. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it's interesting uh, watching, you know, you know, stand up comedy has become sit down comedy in the era of Zoom. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I, I actually still personally like to set up my computer, uh, like high, high up enough where I can stand and do my comedy to zoom. Cause I still think that that energy needs to be through the body 
you know, oh, like yeah. it, it's so much more relaxed uh, just because you are sitting, you know, sitting back and, and then the entire routine can become relaxed. And if you're someone who likes to put some energy into your routines, like I do, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Uh, even if people aren't responding, you know, you know, you can see yourself on the Zoom or you watch it back after and you want to know you have that same energy that uh, that you would in a regular show. At least that's that's how I feel about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never thought of it that way, too. Yeah, that's true. You can stand up, be more animated. And at the end of the day, it is called stand up comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, that's cool. Like, because I, I have seen some other comedians do their thing. And uh, yeah, they were sitting down. And uh, yeah, I just never thought of it that way, where it's like, maybe like the next time, uh, like now, like the world, uh, especially in Ontario, it's slowly opening, like, yeah. they're having people in venues, and maybe they, they kind of like lose like their I don't know what's the word for it, like that animated aspect aspect of uh, their performance from just sitting down for a yeah. year and everything. It's like a version of having your sea legs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't I don't know how to stand and tell jokes anymore. I haven't done this in year in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, comedy is such a huge part of your life. Um, like yeah. I, look, I look at your press release; it's from like performing to writing web series and mm. different brands and everything and uh I just kind of want to know like maybe like back in the day uh do you have like an early memory of where you kind of got uh the itch to just kind of take uh humor and make it like such a big part of your life um well definitely like as a kid like I found that I had like a little bit of a natural ability to make people laugh and uh particularly like you know as a kid wanting approval from adults it's like it's like oh i just made them laugh oh i could keep doing stuff like this and uh and i guess that's like a, just an innate impetus within me to want to make people laugh and uh and have a good time but uh you know definitely you know i i was a, an 80s kid so you know that was the age of the syndicated sitcom where like every every night at 7 p.m you know that your your show is like charles in charge or or you know three's company or or uh, you know, family ties, growing pigs, all, all those, you know, all those family sitcoms too. But but you know, like then they, you know, they'd eke in the ones that were like a little bit inappropriate for kids, like Three's Company, not really yeah, appropriate yeah. for kids. But I was like, I was always watching that. And I was like, oh my goodness, what does that mean when all that all this sexual innuendo and and of course that was my first experience of of seeing uh someone who's supposed to be gay on screen in Three's Company, although you know, that was all that was all for shits and giggles i guess for the <laughs> yeah for making fun of it but you know like at the same time it's like oh okay there's you know the world is a bigger place than i knew and uh that definitely sitcom tv expanded uh expanded my knowledge in this idea of what is timing what is what is it that makes people laugh you know yeah that's that's really cool to hear actually there's a really great documentary series running right now called the sitcom and they kind of talk <sighs> about um like experiences like you mentioned of like just the different eras and like in the 80s it was like the first time they had like um gay characters and mm -hmm. like late 70s early 80s it was uh black families it's, it's really like interesting and it's been going on and actually uh, my buddy pat he uh produced it and it's now on cnn like every week oh so yeah that's fantastic yeah it's huge actually i gotta get him on the show and uh if pat if you're listening to he actually, he actually he's on the patreon too so i'm sure you're listening to this episode early but big congratulations and uh yeah i'm gonna bug you for an episode but back to robert <laughs> um kinda, just got had to plug my buddy there for a second because it's on topic but um no that's really cool to hear that uh that you got that it's through sitcoms like uh i was born in 85 and sitcoms were 
still rocking as I was growing up too, with oh, yeah. like yeah, for uh, <laughs> Fridays and all that, uh, those different, like, um, I don't know. And, and it seems like uh, things with like the sitcom kind of uh, like it, it changed, like the laugh tracks gone. There's still like sitcoms now, but it's, um, there's really different now. Yeah. 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 It's a lot more niche, like uh, they go for, like, as opposed to like these broad strokes of comedy, uh, like you see more, more niche sitcoms. I mean, you see all the different things coming out of like HBO or, or Showtime or, or all those, uh, those kind of shows that are definitely very, like more, more niche towards a much more targeted audience and with the hope of maybe finding an expanded audience. But really what's great is that they're playing to their fo- to their focus audience as well which i think is actually a really great thing because i mean me doing queer comedy of course my audience is very focused as well mm-hmm. uh you know and of course everyone's welcome to watch everyone's welcome to enjoy but i'm gonna be unapologetically queer the entire time so you know you gotta yeah. be cool with that yeah uh, definitely and i i'm sure it's that's a, a cool place for that kind of like demographic to just go to when they're just like yo this is this is my people you know that's uh yeah. that's something special as well like that's that's really cool that you do that and everything well something outside because of course you know gay culture queer culture is just uh chock full of drag these days you know like from rupaul's drag race to all these other other shows that uh do things to to emulate or or you know expand the world of drag but i i do think it's really interesting you know when you talk about queer comedy you have to talk about drag because drag queens are comedians they they're there to make you laugh you know back back in the you know 70s and 80s uh so canada has the oldest working drag queen in the world uh uh, yes uh uh, Michelle DeBerry and uh, and they oh what am I trying to say well okay well they actually were they're really the first queer comedians uh, because uh, Michelle DeBerry had this uh, had this group called the Great Imposters and they would go around to little towns throughout Canada and they would do their whole drag act and it was totally a comedy act and they were just like everyone was like they're coming to town it was like a big deal uh, and it's so funny when we watch the progression of of you know. Uh, uh equality uh for for queer people um you know that sort of it's queer culture has become a little bit more insular so it doesn't it doesn't share in the same way which i which i found interesting but like without people like uh like the great imposters going out first maybe there wouldn't be the same kind of queer comedy or people feeling confident in that but i do think like there is room for people who aren't in drag who do comedy too and that's sort of where i focus my my efforts you know yeah, because uh, you don't have to put on a on a dress to be a gay funny guy. Yeah, facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no matter what kids in the hall taught us, there's there's different ways to exactly. To Everyone's it. welcome, but you know, yeah. like just remember, I don't have to do that for you to laugh at me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I I uh, I respect that too. It's just like uh, I find like sometimes things like pop off and become uh, popular, and then people are like, okay, I need to follow this trend, and that'll be my way to make it but like I find like the most special things are when people are just being themselves and like kind of like in their own lane and you know like there's only like Mm -hmm. one you and that's what makes you so special you know and just if you can find your own thing and tap into that whatever way you can and do it that way you know (laughs) oh yeah I totally agree and and, you know and it did take me a while uh to figure out where I where that sat really comfortably for me like I was doing theater for years uh, and what, what was great is starting out as a comedian a little bit later, I felt like I did have a bit of a head start because as a, as a theater person, I go, it's like, oh, I don't really feel like a comedian. Well, just act like you're one. Mm, you know? Okay. Fake, fake it till you feel it in a, in a little bit of a, a little bit of a way. Yeah. But, uh, 
it's it's uh, coming into your own and being yourself on on stage is actually you know the idea for a lot of people just public speaking in general is just so terrifying and then add on to that it's like so you're going to be on stage speaking to a room full of strangers and you have to make them laugh yeah you know? yeah <laughs> I and that. be yourself you know it's like <laughs> you throw all those and sometimes it's difficult to do but and you know sometimes you need to have that either uh you know personal growth to to get there or you know for a lot of other people in comedy it's just have such a what do I want to say? How do I want to put this? Not like, not like a shitty life, but like lots of like weird stuff happening in your life that you're like, I just got to talk about this, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, they say too, it's like, uh, I've, I've talked to other comedians on here and uh, they say when like, sometimes people want to be a comedian, they're like, okay, I'm going to make jokes. And they sit down and, and write. And then you're just like, got like this block in their head. They're like, Oh, I can't do this shit. And then really it's like, you get your jokes of just kind of being a character and not thinking about writing, just living life and like gaining that experience and everything. And uh, exactly. Yeah. I even, uh, I watched a recent uh, interview uh, with the singer Lord and uh, she's, she's only like on her third album or something. And it's been like, she's been in the industry for almost like a decade now. People yeah. are like, why do you take time off? She's like, Oh, I just gotta gotta live and get stuff to write about, you know. And then she's like, "Oh, sometimes it'll take three years, sometimes it'll take five years." And I thought that was just so awesome, like because that's the truth. It's just like yeah. you can get so uh, stressed about whatever your creative craft is, but sometimes you just gotta take a breather. Maybe I'll go outside. Maybe I'll <laughs> go on an adventure. And uh, when you're not thinking about writing or something, that's when um, I don't know. I I feel like the magic happens in a way. Yeah, and so and so true about like singer songwriters too. That you know, you're wondering like, hey, how come you know, uh, like you know, back in like the the 50s, 60s, it was like the the pop stars, and we're having like sometimes two albums a year, and it's like, well, they're that's because they're not writing any of it. Yeah, you know, but, yeah. But, but you know, so you got a team of people. It's like, oh no, I have 20 people writing for me. It's like, oh, you have so much life experience. It's like, yeah, I have 20 people's worth of life experience because I didn't write it. But yeah. you know, someone like Lord, especially, you know. Um, and plus, like, started when they were like, what? Like, I think their first album came out at 17. So yeah, it's she like, was like 16, 17, yeah. and just a teenager there. So it's like, yeah, get some life experience because, you know, otherwise you're still going to be talking. Although the thing she was talking about was very different from, you know, any teen pop star at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, look good for her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. Um, but, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, like you, you mentioned, like, you uh, a little bit of a your theater background and did you start uh performing from doing theater first and did that transition to stand up or was it like uh yeah uh it's uh so I was a theater kid growing up that's where I found you know like like so many queer kids they find sort of like their little their little area of acceptance in uh in high school at, at, in the theater class drama class and the drama club so I, I was there all the time doing that stuff wrote wrote my first uh ongoing weekly soap opera that uh that all the other students would be in and I was like the writer I was like the writer's man I was as an actor on stage and it became like the sensation of the school so that of course fed me even more. It's like oh this is great I love getting this kind of attention that's so cool actually yeah oh, you know what? Yeah. and it, for some reason like at my high school everyone watched soap operas like because they were just it, it was like the early 90s and soap operas got really ridiculous in the early 90s like people were getting possessed by the devil <laughs> yeah. you know like like people getting kidnapped and put into some sort of trapped in some underground city uh like all like yeah and you know 
that on top of all the like, oh, someone has amnesia or like, oh, look, this person went away and now they're back, even though they're a completely different actor. We're just going to all accept that that's the same person. Um, you know, all that kind of fun stuff with, with soap operas. Soap operas actually are hilarious. If you would like, they are really funny because they're just taking themselves so seriously because that's how they're directed. It's, it's, it's actually great, a, yeah. a great study for like to find things to make fun of. But uh, yeah, so coming, I mean, I went through, went through theater school here in Ontario, uh, went to George Brown Theater School and, uh, and uh, came out of that and, you know, had to, had to make a living outside of that too. So I was doing that and that's, you know, was great to get life experience uh, just, you know, outside of being in some sort of school system. And uh, yeah, comedy just, you know, that was coming naturally. I was writing plays that were funny. And then it was like, why don't, why don't you just be funny? yourself and it was it was interesting because I had a couple friends who were doing comedy and I, I think I stopped myself from doing it because I was like oh that's my friend's thing I don't want to look like I'm copying them uh which was really dumb I should have just I should have just been like no you know what I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it better lose the friendship whatever yeah, yeah you got that fire in you <laughs> but uh yeah sometimes like back in the, like the day especially like when you're like trying to like find yourself and I don't know I'm getting old and I still feel like I haven't found myself but you know what I'm trying to say it's like it's a journey sometimes, right sometimes <laughs> like you'll 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 think of things like that and make little like roadblocks of uh things that maybe like in your heart you really want to do but oh I can't do it for this reason or that reason and stuff like yeah. that you're right you know what probably the underlying thing of all that I said all that oh my friends were doing I was probably just scared to do it at the yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna make this excuse but really um but yeah so uh uh and it's just yeah I ended up being like you know what I really want to write for television as well and a lot of television writers are stand-up comedians and I was like you know I said I said I wanted to do this at some point and and you know that's about four or five years ago now that I started doing doing stand up in earnest and uh, you know haven't haven't got that TV writing gig yet but I'm working on it but uh, you know it, it's actually it's just really fun and I've through comedy I've actually really learned to be a little bit more giving as opposed to being more selfish mm. uh, because I produce a lot of shows uh, you know like this uh, gay F comedy show that I that I've uh, been doing for the past couple of years showcasing queer comedians. Uh, it feels really good to do to give people a space where they can do that and have a have a space where you know the audience is going to appreciate and understand what you're doing because that's what we're all looking for is that connection when we're doing comedy so yeah it's been it's it's funny how doing something that's so one person on stage i feel uh less selfish than i did 15 years ago about you know what i'm doing i'm like i'm actually just enjoying the ride now which is uh which is a which is a great thing to do as an artist you know yeah, to just yeah. enjoy it yeah and it's cool i think uh in the the city of toronto which uh which uh, you're you're in toronto too as well right yeah I yeah know. it's it's uh i find i noticed kind of like the comedy scene it it is fr pretty friendly and there's like the different cliques like uh yeah. there's like the stoner click and then there's like, <laughs> yeah, like, cannabis like yeah yeah there's like clean comics and then there's like the dirty guys and now now today it's cool like uh, i'm kind of learning about like the gay community as well like in that that bubble as well and um I don't know. I've I've dabbled in like stand up and like just doing little open mics and oh uh, right on that's great. And, um, I remember I took a, a trip to L.A. and I was there and I realized it was like the same day they had like open mic at the comedy store. So I went to go check it out and yeah. uh, I put my name down, but there was a lineup of oh, like a yeah, hundred people, like just lottery like type of thing and I didn't get the lottery and I was just every like the whole line left and I'm still like kind of standing there I'm like oh I'm gonna watch the show I'm here like this is a legendary building and uh like as the night going on I I realized like it was interesting because it didn't 
like LA didn't have the communal feel like just from this one night I was there like I mm. could be I could be wrong there could be different groups there but just it didn't have that communal feel it felt like everybody was just there for themselves and like I mentioned like people like if they didn't get it they leave they're not gonna yeah. watch the show type of thing it was like kind of like that energy and almost like I listen to other po- uh, comedy podcasts and I hear all these stories of people like stepping on each other to get spots and I don't yeah, know if, it's, if right. it's because there's like less spots there but it seems like uh pre-covid Toronto was just flourishing like with different stages and venues and stuff and it's like yeah even uh as i dabbled into it i never had a problem like finding a way to like get on stage and stuff like that so i don't know it's cool that actually you have an avenue too which is like a uh a different niche and for a different community and everything and it's just uh that's gotta that's gotta feel awesome you know and like seeing it grow and everything yeah i mean it took it took a few years we what what really got uh queer comedy sort of up and running to the size that it is now. And there have always been fantastic queer comedians up in Canada and particularly in, in Toronto. I mean, uh, I have a whole bunch of mentors that uh, that have helped me along the way and continue to help me. I mean, I mean my, my courtyard comedy show that's going on right now, we just had our first show yesterday and, and our headliner was Elvira Kurt, who's like a Canadian comedy legend, you know, had her own show on, on Comedy Network for a while. And, uh, but like just, all of these people who've gone before, uh, who are willing to help out this younger younger generation of comics, um, you know, like you know Maggie Casella with "We're Funny That Way" really started up the idea of there being enough queer comedians for there to be a queer comedy scene, you know, and that that's a yearly festival that uh, that was happening since 1997. So uh, you know, queer comedies exist existed, but I feel like there's this uh, you know new generation of comedians that's that's coming up, and we and it was sort of established through this open mic at Pegasus uh, bar on church street that was, that was happening for a year and a bit. And, you know, and that created, not only was there, you know, we're, we're, we're all gay and we all love stand up comedy. So it created this lovely little community and, and we're all still in touch with the, with each other, uh, even through the pandemic and, you know, and figuring out how do we make something happen on zoom or, you know, let's, let's make sure, you know, we keep in touch so that when comedy comes back, we can, you know, still make these shows because while it's a, you know, it's a, it's a bigger community. It's still a, you know, it's still a small pocket of the of the greater community. But uh, I'm really quite prolific, and all of these queer communities are doing really well now on, 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 you know, shows that would be considered like a straight show or whatever you want to want to yeah. call it. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear too, and especially like you guys having the drive, even though like COVID hit and you guys are oh, still yeah. like communicating. It's like, okay, how can we bring this back? Like, not lose any momentum and everyone. That's uh, yeah. that's, that's really cool to me, and I commend that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been a, a, and it has been a journey. I like I'm like being doing something in front of a live audience. So, so it's an outdoor show. Court, I mean, courtyard comedy. It's going to be yeah. in a courtyard. So it's outdoors. Uh, but, you know, and so that just for those people who aren't quite ready to go indoors yet, because co- co- live comedy is back indoors. Comedy Bar in Toronto is open again. And I mean, what a fantastic bastion of uh, support for independent comedy that Gary Rideout gives over at uh, Comedy Bar, letting independent comedians like book and do their own shows there and everything like that. It's absolutely fantastic. One of the main reasons why there is a thriving Toronto comedy community, for sure. Um, but it's 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 just been it's been an interesting time to to not have an audience and go back to having an audience yeah you yeah. know like yesterday was like 
and I think even the audience, like I was like, this is a really warm audience. It's like, well, they haven't done anything for a year and a half. They're just happy <laughs> yeah. to be anywhere. <laughs> oh my God. And yeah. it was raining yesterday and, and everything. And like, we were like, are we going to cancel the show? And we decided not to, because I was like, I'm not refunding money to anyone. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we, we just we bought ponchos. Everyone, like, everyone, everyone showed up except for one person. Uh, and they all, they just put on their poncho. They were like, we are here to laugh and we are so determined. And I was like, oh, I love this audience. I wish I could always have this kind of audience. But uh, you can you can feel it if you go out in Toronto right now because of the phases of reopening, like things are open, but they're not. So people are like desperate to find something to do because there's no big events. You know, the, great that the Blue Jays are back. But, uh, you know, other than that, there's nothing big happening in Toronto. So people are really looking for something to, to do to feel that connection again. It was it was such a great feeling yesterday. Yeah. That show. Yeah, that's so cool to hear about the experience of your show, too. And I can imagine, too, it's like even I've been antsy, like I'm going to explode, like like lots of like uh, my uh, my thing to do is like uh, I live like right up the street from like the opera house and I'm a oh, big yeah. fan of like rock and metal and like almost to the point that's when I moved to, to this. Yeah, I moved to this neighborhood <laughs> And like pre-COVID, I got used to seeing like so many shows. And sometimes like I just be walking down the street and not planning to go to a show. And I'm like, look at the sign. I'm like, oh, I fucking love that band. <laughs> just like, right on. <laughs> and now like I haven't done that in a year. And I didn't realize how part of how big of like that's been a part of my life. And then I just seen like a thing on like a Facebook thing. It's like, oh, this show is coming in November Opera House. And I'm like, oh, I gotta go. It's just like, <laughs> like gotta get my fix like type of thing. And I, I'm sure like people are like that with comedy too. Even like I'm dying to see a show. I'm, I'm probably going to come check out one of these uh, courtyard comedy shows. Like, cause it's going on till the 28th, right? As well. Yeah, it's, it's every Saturday yeah. afternoon in August at Campbell House Museum. So if you're in Toronto, it's right at uh, Osgood Subway Station corner of queen and university so yeah every every saturday at three o'clock uh we've got a, just some of the best comedians in toronto so the courtyard comedy shows isn't 100 queer there's a little bit of a mistake in uh the press where someone said all oh, these queer comedians and then listed everyone yeah and, uh, <laughs> it's like, like that like, guy's straight as fuck <laughs> yeah, exactly well one of one of my comedians got a got a phone call from a family member being like are you gay why didn't you tell us like, we 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 want to support you you know it's like it's yeah. like the guy has a fiance it's like like it's like he's he's just on the show he's just on yeah. the show he's just a yeah. cool guy on the show you know but yeah. uh that wasn't his statement of like this is me coming out look at the flyer it's just like <laughs> vague little dramatic hints yeah i'm gonna give my coming out experience over to this comedy producer and let's just let him out me to everyone yeah <laughs> <laughs> i kind of think that's awesome but yeah whatever that's cool. oh, he, well he just laughed about it i mean yeah. that, and that's what that's you know that's my favorite kind kind of straight guy it's like hey you you're hanging out with gay people are you gay it's like no i just hang out with gay people what's your problem you know that's yeah yeah also i think that's the beauty of toronto too it's like uh i've come from like a smaller town too and yeah, me too i swear like growing up there was the the one gay guy and like the town would all like whisper about him there was also just like oh, two, like two two black families like it was it was it was interesting like and i never like growing up like felt like there was something wrong i don't know if it was because of what i was watching on tv or whatever like yeah, i just yeah. accepted everybody and differences and now being here i feel like a minority being straight not a vegan and white like all my all my <laughs> friends vegan. are just like all different like cultures and like everything like you know it's it's kind of a 
I don't know. I, I think it's uh, it's a wonderful experience living in Toronto and just everybody being so accepted and not like, yeah. I don't know. Not, it's not, there's not that like layer of like gossipy, like of things that are different. If like somebody's just different, like you just kind of like hang with them and a- maybe ask them about, Hey, what's so, what's up with like this community or like stuff like that, you know? And that's, well, it's, it, it's impossible to not bump into multi multiculturalism in Toronto, which, mm-hmm. which for me was, was great. Cause I grew up in a small town. I grew up in a very religious family so i was not necessarily trained to accept everyone including myself and my own queerness so moving to toronto was a very refreshing thing uh my first job was uh was in north york as well at uh, yorkdale mall and yorkdale Mm -hmm. mall is where everyone goes you know like so i and and working with people of all sorts of different backgrounds and and i was like this is yeah toronto is the place to be for you know I mean you know everywhere we have a long long way to go for for acceptance and equality but Toronto's you know doing a better job than most cities you know <laughs> yeah for sure there's there's still like I don't know it's not like perfect but you know it's just I feel like especially just in the circles I run in it's just very like awesome accepting all different kinds of people and uh i don't know i'm i'm blessed from this experience from being in toronto too and just i feel like just in life you just learn a lot from hanging out with people who are not like you and like exactly talking and even even like um i was excited to have you on the show today too because i I know nothing about the gay comedy community and i'm reading your press release you got the the branding the gay af and i'm I'm like yeah Yeah. let's let's (laughs) let's get into this that's wicked and uh yeah, actually, um, when did you like start like the transition from being a performer to like kind of doing the brand and putting on the shows and everything? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So, I mean, the another, one other thing about being a theater artist is quite often you make your own work as well. Uh, so the transition from theater to producing comedy shows is actually pretty easy because I was producing plays in the Toronto Fringe, which is, you know, uh, if you ever want a crash course in producing something or an experience do a friend show because you have to do you have to do everything yourself it's like it's total total indie you know you're going out to the papers and or the different you know blogs or you know and podcasts or or just like because you're trying to find however it is you're going to promote your show and get people get get bums in those seats for the fringe because you're competing with a hundred other shows mm-hmm. uh in the fringe so i mean that was a great uh training ground for me to be like okay you know what producing a comedy show has its similarities to producing a fringe show you know branding's important name of your brand is important name of the show how are you going to make it appealing to people to want to come you know how do you do that when they haven't even seen a show yet you know so it's it's good to have you know bold branding like having something called gay af comedy and the af stands for whatever you want it to stand for right oh, okay okay that's cool <laughs> yeah it's not just as fuck like <laughs> oh, i mean i have to say that so i can get put in the papers right so it's yeah, like oh yeah. AF, what does that stand for well you decide i don't know yeah. uh but <laughs> but you know smart that's smart too like just uh kind of uh keep it pg maybe when it's not you know and get that publicity in uh those different markets on the newspaper and stuff yeah, yeah. it's like that gay uh the sort of like gay innuendo that that they would do on the golden girls sometimes when they're talking about something gay right you know it's like mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna make it just past the censors mm, yeah <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> just one one toe in the, the water there exactly but yeah like so that kind of indie producing really lent itself for me then moving to comedy because i had 
that mindset of how do you promote the heck out of a show, you know, and quite honestly, comedy does require personal connection with people too. So it's not, you know, going in the papers, a whole good, trying to get in the paper, trying to get on a blog isn't the only thing you do. you got to connect with your audience. And one thing I always like to do is I might be hosting my show, but I also like to as much as possible, rip the tickets at the beginning of the show. Like I want to uh, say, welcome. Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, and I think that one thing even uh, does a lot to make an audience a lot warmer mm. uh, because they're you know, like, oh, we just met the guy. This is his show. You know, like that personal connection, even if it was like a hundred people at a show, it's like that connection of saying, hi, thanks for coming. Uh, I'm really glad to see there. And I think maybe because it's a queer show too, that, like you, you're feeling the community's already there. Um, but it's really important to, comedy is all about connection because if your, your audience isn't connecting with you, they're not going to laugh either. So yeah, if yeah. I can make them already feel like they're here to, they're like, oh, I like the host. We're going to have a good time. Uh, yeah, it just, you're already kind of like oh, opens them up, you know, and just like, yeah, they feel at home. And when you're relaxed, that's when, when the laughter comes out, you know, and everything that's, uh, that's really cool to hear, especially like meeting everybody at the door. That's, that's, uh, I think that's, that's just awesome. And just such a nice friendly thing to do too. And yeah, not every, not yeah. everyone does. It. I mean, yeah. if I were like a famous comedian probably shouldn't do that, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like got, got to a level where it's like, hi everyone. Thanks for, oh my God, autograph. Yeah, like you're the, no one's ever going to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just riding that wave of just being anonymous enough <laughs> where they're like, oh, that's a very nice man that just spoke to us. You know? Yeah. It's like, Great. <laughs> no, that's wicked. Yeah. I love uh, always like hearing about like behind the scene production and stuff like that. And, uh, and one thing I noticed, uh, most people listen to this on Spotify, but they're not going to see you got, uh, the Kermit, the frog there behind you. Oh yeah. I've got Kermit, and, uh, and also that Statler and Waldorf behind me. Oh, there as well. just heckling them in the, on the show. Oh, that, yes. There. I should have Fozzie somewhere around there for, for the, the heckle, but oh, the Muppet show it was another show that was just a huge inspiration for me growing up because I was like, they did the weirdest stuff on the Muppet show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, so that's humor too. Like, honestly, if you look at the the Mupp watching the Muppet Show, like there, you can see the ins inspirations from even things like Monty Python and stuff. It's just so absurd. Mm -hmm. And uh, and but you know, putting that in the context of like, okay, we're gonna make a family show, but we're gonna try to make it as weird as possible. You know, like yeah, like, God, like Gods of the Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the so strange chickens, yeah. pigs in space. What's going on here? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love how like they'd have like all their sketches, but then it would like cut like behind the scenes them trying to build the show and stuff. And I don't know, like I'm starting to like think now too. It's like I've always just loved like behind the scenes of production and like have done like different productions myself too and i'm starting to think i'm like was the muppet show like the early seed of like wanting to be around like that excitement too like no kidding see, like i don't know like uh i always loved like that's like one of my earliest memories of watching a, something on tv is the muppets so i don't know yeah. if that's like unconsciously just kind of went in my head of like this is something I want to be a part of like this madness, but <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I've been rewatching it. Cause you know, they put it, they put it on streaming and um, I was, I'm like, I sort of am Kermit. Like I am doing, like, I'm trying to do all yeah. this stuff and I'm trying to host a show and I'm trying to do, it's like, yeah, I, I really identify with Kermit these days because he's trying <laughs> to do it all. And he's got a whole bunch of people like, Hey, you know, like chirping at him every which way. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's sometimes how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You said that too, because uh, when I brought up Kermit, that's 
originally where I was going to go and I went off in a different train of thought but yeah like your your whole life from not only doing all the stuff backstage like Kermit goes out performs everything it's just uh very uh <laughs> coinciding and in, in, well the, there yeah. is that feeling too like you, uh with the rain yesterday for example like really stressful day of like am I gonna have to because if it rained a certain amount of course I was gonna have to cancel so like there's all this pressure are people gonna show up you know oh great the the people who are doing like the alcohol tastings from our from our uh cottage spring sponsorship are here and like and they're like and we and we have to get set up now it's like okay i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm doing that and then then it's like and you're on you're the first person on as well yes. as the host <laughs> it's like that's like i feel like yeah i'm i'm kermit the frog when it comes to, <laughs> it comes to that and you just have to be like Whoop. just like kermit does because like, he goes on stage and he's suddenly like hey and i'm like yeah that's exactly what you have to do you know no matter what's been happening behind the yeah, scenes even if there's a fire behind you you just like oh my god gotta snap out of it and that's <laughs> that shows like uh you're a true professional too it's uh it's uh that's one thing i always uh fascinated me about like great performers as well as like it's it's crazy how like just life in general like things just happen that aren't in your hands you can have a bad day and stuff like that but then when it's showtime, it's you almost got to like flip a switch in a way yeah. and be like, I'm going to deal with this later <laughs> after my set or whatever, where I don't know. I feel like uh, um, with the the few times I have uh, dabbled in stand up too, there was, there was one where I had like a really bad day and I bombed so hard because I was like so much in my head. It was like I was more in my head than like in the moment of the performance. And uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just thinking about that always like, fascinates me like because I, I see people who are so consistent and on all the time and like for just like a random example you think of like a late night television it's like five <laughs> days a week you see whether like Fallon go out there over and over and over and over no it's kidding. like he's gotta have some like shitty days like something like that's just part of the human experience but just to to flip that switch and be able to do your job in that moment. That's like, uh, I don't know. I admire that so much because it's, it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. well, well, and it's interesting. You should say Jimmy Fallon too, because I mean, I, he probably doesn't want it out in the press, but you know, he, he's, he's got some troubles in life, you know, like yeah. he, he's had, he, you know, so the fact that he is doing that four or five nights a week is pretty, uh, pretty amazing, but it'd be, it, it is sort of like you compartment compartmentalize it and you can, you can, still do it i mean if you're doing it that often it it, yeah. it does become a switch that just goes click and you and you're on uh you know and you look at a lot of you know super famous comedians who have like some serious like personal demons and we don't necessarily know about it like uh you know robin williams being a, a perfect example of someone yeah. who made brought joy to so many people and, but, you know, he had a lot, he was very troubled and, you know, ultimately so troubled that he took, took his own life. So yeah. it's, it's interesting that dichotomy from personal life to, to what's on the stage. And you know, there's a, there's a stereotype of it that, you know, like that comedians are damaged people and that's what makes them able to make these comments on the world. And I agree to, with that to a degree, but uh, you know, I, I would hope that every comedian doesn't need to, to dwell on their demons in order to be a successful comedian that's certainly I, i'm despite the pandemic you know in a happier spot than i i you know was 10 years ago in regards to my art so uh 
and just per, and personal life, you know, but it's like, that doesn't mean I can't be funny anymore. I hope, you know, it's like, like those people like, Oh, I can't write an album anymore because you know, my, I'm in a happy relationship, you know, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's... Writing, I'm writing the baby album for there's some of those, the, the, the women uh, artists that are like, Oh, this is my baby. I'm just had a baby. You know, it's like, hey, that's great. You don't need to be writing about, uh, you know, the people that dumped you all the time. Guess, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And that's that's a very, like, true thing that goes in the, the head of different artists and performers. Uh, I'm kind of, like, through my videography life, I'm connected to the battle rap scene as well, too. And, like, oh, wow. Some, that's some great. of the guys on, like, the bigger level, too, like, they've made a joke. It's like, oh, I'm getting married. I'm happy in life. Am I going to be able to be like angry now? Like, <laughs> no and, like fucking cut people up. Like, this is like the things you think of. And like, even I think a comedian told me too, it's just like, oh, I got this new job and all my materials about being fucking broke. And this is like, <laughs> like almost having a panic. Am I going to be still funny now that I'm like happy? Like that's, and it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's sad, but also like something you, you start, I guess you start thinking about if, uh, yeah. if you've been using, um, I don't know, whatever your writing outlet is to like kind of channel mm-hmm. and turn like those negatives into like a positive. And I don't know, it's just like, you just got to change and evolve. Like, I feel like people are, if you're funny, you can find different ways to be funny with different situations in your life. It doesn't always yeah. have to be through pain in a way but uh but yeah i guess i guess it happens too when you're all about one thing and then your life changes and you're like oh fuck like now what am i gonna do like do i just lie about being broke on stage? <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but it's so interesting that you say that uh just talking about this idea because some comedians can't be funny unless there's something to be unhappy about in life uh you know like a lot of comedy is complaining about life you know and that's something that it that is universal like a lot of the time life sucks so let's talk about it and laugh about it yeah um, and and you know in order to i i wouldn't say i i don't really know anyone who actually you know purposely goes after searching out trauma in their life but uh you know there are just as our personalities and just in general in the world people that just sort of attr- attract uh either unfortunate or weird situations in their life and mm-hmm. that becomes comes their material and and so it, for some people they they absolutely like things are going well now i don't have anything to say right now you know mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine that's the type of comedian you are i i find things from from just out of life or what i'm what i'm watching i love talking about pop culture a little bit from a queer point of view uh there's always lots to say from a queer point of view about the world because there's the whole world to talk about uh from from a a queer point of view and that's the same for for any comedian from you know any any background can can be like i'm gonna give my point of view on this and that's what makes me unique and that's hopefully what also will make me funny you know yeah facts facts yeah that's awesome yeah and hearing you talk uh, i'm excited to see you do a set soon that's uh that's really cool yeah yeah uh, well i'm lucky enough there uh that I got chosen, I've been chosen and uh, asked to do a half hour stand up special for Out for Laughs for Out TV. So oh, Out TV cool. is the the gay streaming service in Canada, and uh, yeah, Out for Laughs is producing uh, a whole bunch of uh, new comedians, that newer comedians that are uh, doing really well on the comedy scene and as queer comedians. And I'm really happy to be a part of it. We're, it's actually filming on the 20th of August. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And is it going to be like in front of like a live audience in the city or is it going to be somewhere else or like? Yes, yeah, so a reduced audience. It's happening yeah. at the medley up on um, 
up on Eglinton. It's a, it was uh, run primarily as a dinner theater uh, pre-pandemic, but they've been expanding what they're doing. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a bunch of, uh, of great comedians are involved with it, uh, trying to win tours on the same night that I'm uh, doing mine. And she's a fantastic comedian out of Montreal. Uh, yeah, there's just a bunch of great comedians. Vong, Vong Show, who's really well known for his um, Rice Asian Comedian Showcase that he does. Uh, he's also a, a, one of the people doing a half hour for them. It, and it's just great to see because it's actually this the new this Out for Laughs uh, section is the most diverse group of queer comedians that they've had on. It's and it's, it's going to probably be the the best uh, group that they've produced yet. So I'm really happy to be a part of it. Oh, awesome! Yeah, congrats, man. That's 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 amazing, man. You're Robert. You're killing it, man. I'm like, trying to. I'm trying to. I make it. I, I sell a good game. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it also seems like you're just motivated to always keep busy and keeping different coals and different fires and just keep working too. And I, I respect that as well. And yeah. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it, there's a different, I, I don't know if it's the pandemic a little bit too, but it's like really realizing having it missing how much joy it brings uh, as opposed to that feeling of like, I need to get ahead. I need to make sure I'm doing well or being competitive with others, you know, trying to get, uh, and I think just enjoying the ride and, and trying to, you know, make opportunities if they're not there and yeah. just, and, and just do a good job of it. Do your best. That's, that's sort of where my mindset is at these days. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, my mind is like in a similar place, even though I'm doing a lot of different things, it's uh it's cool to talk to somebody like you and have that kind of energy. And one thing I love about uh, putting these episodes out too, uh, I mm -hmm. find a lot of um, people gravitate to this show who are, creators themselves and are working in the industry whether it's like music film and stuff and even mm, yeah. i could have somebody doing something totally different to them i always like almost every episode i get a couple messages like yo i really needed to hear that or that just kind of gave me this uh certain inspiring energy and like uh i got a good feeling about this one robert like no, that's great. talking to you makes me just want to start working on shit right now so that's oh awesome. great do it man like yeah. i mean it's interesting because it, it is a there is a block of like like for me every every morning has been like oh there's stuff i, I want to get done but i just don't want to do it you know, yeah, and yeah. it's just like, just get started. And my, my best tip I can be like, you know, look, if you're having trouble getting started, just bring your phone or computer to your bed and just start doing it there. You're like, you're in bed, but you're still doing something at least. And, and that's been a real help to me, actually. It's just yeah. like, look, you don't want to get out of bed. You're bringing work to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've did it like a new thing where like, before I go to bed, I'll write a bunch of like notes, like little points, like, for example, yesterday it was email Robert back and there's a few things, <laughs> yeah. few things like that. And it's just like, I do video editing as well. So it's like, I'll put a couple things of what I have to do. And my thing is like my, my routine of where I slip and get into the bad, like habits and stuff is like, I bought this new computer for editing and it's oh, yeah. so good. Like I, I just downloaded like a bunch of video games on it. And like, I've been oh, getting, nice. I've been getting like lost in like in gaming again. <laughs> dangerous. That's just, so like, dangerous. So bad. So like before, like I sit on the computer and get tempted to do go down like the fucking dark rabbit holes and stuff. I just see all these things and it's like, okay, I need to do this whole checklist before I turn on a game or like do something else. And like, yeah. sometimes like, I don't know. I just need something like right in front of my face. Cause I don't know. I'm, I get so bad with just like 
temptations and i'm also like an extremist where it's like once i get into something i become like obsessive about it (laughs) like and like the the past month it was gaming which is not a a productive thing to get obsessed and rpgs are the worst because you're like i'm just gonna do i just want to get to this one point you know like oh i'm gonna i want to beat this i want to but then it's like okay but now the story's interesting again i'm gonna follow this for a little like it is like rpgs are the the worst for that because you you just like you just because you just it's because it's a story and you if, if you're someone who enjoys story and you're a part of it it's just you know it's like choose your own adventure from when when we were kids those little books where you're like okay now let's oh. see what happens if i make this choice what happens if i make this choice you know and yeah. it, it's totally addictive yeah it's so bad and like prior to this new gaming addiction like i took <laughs> i take time off but uh last year at the beginning of the pandemic too uh i had uh uh, I, I ended up getting a Nintendo Switch and playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I've, uh, I'm not, like, a big, like, advocate for, like, drugs or whatever. Somebody gave me some shrooms. I had a day where I just locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> like, people listening oh to this, this is going to sound awesome, but do at your own risk. Be, be safe and everything. But, uh, yeah, so I just, I was so immersed in, like, days are going by, but almost like you said with the, <laughs> with the RPG experience, it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna go here and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna do stay at the end. <laughs> and what's <laughs> fucked up about that game is like, you see a point in the distance of the field and on your way walking to it, it turns into four like side quests of like things. Of yeah, there you go. Out. And oh then you God. get like OCD. I'm like, I gotta do everything, but. Beware of the side quests. Yeah, yeah, games, <laughs> games are bad. I, I'm gonna need to take another break. And, uh, and just... I had to remove a few games from, you know, like, cause on, you store them on the thing and you can archive them. I was like, I need to archive these. Cause they just, they, you know, you turn it on to, for whatever reason, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna play, uh, I don't know, Texas Hold'em for like, five minutes as a break but then yeah. there it is there's that like rpg like just like telling he's like well you know if you've got to spare three or four hours <laughs> you should come over yeah. here like remove game from my selection <laughs> oh yeah yeah Some, and sometimes you got to do that sometimes you got to be self-aware of uh, the the rabbit holes you go down but also it's it's cool to at the same time uh take that reset to to go in full circle what we're talking about too it's like you can't always be working sometimes you got to take your your mind in different places and get inspiration from different things and and yeah yeah there's and just also like time for your brain to not have to work or think Mm -hmm. about any like there's something about concentrating on something that really in general has no consequence and i know i've like i see my my condo uh unit is right by the elevator. And I am sure people going to the elevators on my floor heard me say the most awful words because <laughs> I'm yelling at the video game, you know, like words that I would never, like things I would never say on stage. And they're like, and it's like, and you know, people at the other are like, oh my goodness, what's happening in there? It's like, oh, he's just playing. I'm sure at this point they're like, oh, he's playing video games again. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just brings out like a certain thing. I think that that happens to like a lot of people too. It's like, especially like pre-pandemic, I guess like Call of Duty Warzone came out. Oh my that. god. And I never like jumped into like Call of Duty games, but I learned like they're the most toxic community. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. and, like, oh the online <laughs> communities are pretty bad. <laughs> and, and I started playing it because like my friends were on it, but it's so funny. It's like when you kill somebody, there's a little like five second window where you can hear the person you killed. And I've been called like 
some of the <laughs> like the oh, yeah. worst things ever. Especially as I was getting better at the game, I was getting more and more slander. More abuse. <laughs> oh man, I kind of enjoy that type of chaos too at the same time and i don't know i, I guess that's why i love comedy as well and uh, yeah. like having like different comedians on the show and stuff because i don't know it's something beautiful about comedy is there is no rules like people can say yeah like uh we'll cancel you if you say this and that and that but really as a performer you have this blank template mm -hmm. and it's like this is my five to 20 minutes or whatever like and I can right now say whatever I choose to, yeah. like, you know, there's something like just beautiful about, uh, I don't know what can happen, whether it's like chaos or just like how people choose their time. There's just something like, I don't even know if I can articulate like how much I appreciate, like just it as like an art form, you know, of uh, indeed. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you should say that because there is a lot more consequence in comedy now as, mm -hmm. as well, you know, with, with the internet and social media. Um, I mean, I remember the first time a, uh, a video of a, of, a, of a comedian went on and, and it was a scandal. I don't even remember the Michael uh, Richards scandal, the guy from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. He got caught on tape and he just he went sort of ballistic on uh, on a patron and, and started being actually pretty racist. Yeah. And, you know, and he, it's like and of course, he he paid the price for that. So the, the, there's consequence in comedy a lot more now than there used to be. Um, that the space of uh, being on stage isn't a, like a sacred space of like this is this is you know what happens in this room is about this room right now. Things travel outside that room, and people have to be a bit more con uh, be a bit more thoughtful about maybe what they're talking about, especially if they're building a routine. And we see, and that's is what we see with comedians uh, a lot too. Like we saw with uh, Tracy Morgan. Uh, had a, had a few like sort of homophobic things that he said in a routine. Yeah, he was, said he was going to stab his son or something like that. Yeah, yeah. not a great thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was like, he was practicing. And, you know, when you're practicing uh, as a comedian, you're working on your routine because that's exactly what he was doing. He was working on his routine. And, you know, it, something that comes out at, off the top of your head, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that. But when you, when you're in the moment as a comedian, sometimes that happens, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, there were some consequences for him. He, he, but he said, you know, this it really started that conversation of what is that uh, space where a comedian can work out what they're doing. But also, there's a lot of more, uh, you know, uh, social considerations. He said, you know, when you have someone like Eddie Murphy coming out and apologizing decades later for some of the stuff that he said and saying, you know, that's not reflective of who I am now. A lot of jokes don't age well, though, and I yeah. think judging people on their past material from from years ago probably isn't the best for our culture in general because everyone gets canceled then, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And even like I find sometimes like people will get in trouble and uh, they say something that maybe they don't even believe in, yeah. and that's almost like um, what they think the joke is. It's like it's so ridiculous, like. And I don't believe in this. And that's that's the joke. So I'm just going to go like way too far. And then something like happen, happens like with like a Tracy Morgan situation is like, oh, I should have uh, done that. And it's I don't know. It's such like a slippery slope. Yeah. It's also something I don't know. I find exciting about the art form. You know, there's like a kind of like danger to it in a way. And it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, the danger, the danger in comedy, like I, that, that some comedians are, uh, are known for that danger. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is a kind of, um, 
you know, that's what you go for. You go yeah, for the danger. Yeah. And, that, and that's fine uh, as well. What I would say is for any audience members, like maybe, uh, you know, for some of, some of the heavy, heavy hitters, it's easy to know what their comedy is. But sometimes people are going into a show where they don't really know everything that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And someone, you know, one of those comedians might offend you a little bit. Uh, and I've certainly sat in an audience where I'm like, yeah, I didn't really like that, that person, but I'm not going to go out and cancel them. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if anything, you know, you, if, if you really want to let a comedian know how, how you feel, let them know privately, you know, I, I would say just send, send them a message. And I've definitely had comedians, uh, had audience members come up to me and be like, hey, I didn't like that joke and here's why. And I, and I always listen. I always listen because it's like, I'd like to know why that's an, I'm fascinated. Yeah. Uh, I'm not someone who usually does uh, humor that's on that kind of edge where people would get offended, but I have had, you know, one or two times and I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to you, listen, hear you out. And I make a decision later, whether, you know, that was their personal problem or whether it's like, oh no, they had a good point, you know, but mm-hmm. all, but I always listen to the feedback and go just, just like from my theater days, getting a note, just thank you very much. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's professional, but uh, no, that's that's really cool, and it's it's almost like uh, what was what was I gonna say? Uh, it's I, I just lost my train of thought. I'm gonna cut this out. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of doing your your own show. <laughs> I just had the biggest brain fart right there, but uh, but it's Sunday. Yeah. It's it's a Sunday, right? Is it? Yeah, got brain, my morning brain coffee going. On Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, th- this looks like I'm just drinking orange pop, but it's really like this is an energy drink. So. Oh, okay, cool, cool. But, so uh, anyway, I don't drink coffee. That's one of. So I grew up. Uh, I grew up Mormon. So they have a whole bunch of things that you're not allowed to do, and one of them is drink coffee. And oh, really? You know, and then people are like, "Wow, are you you're gay and Mormon?" I'm like, "No, you can't be that at the same time." Uh, <laughs> but uh, I had to choose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but. But one of the things I don't drink coffee, I just, I can't drink it. It's not for me. Uh, so, but I do everything, everything else, but for some reason, coffee was on, on the like, no, I don't like it. So whenever I get to get my caffeine fix, it's always like a Red Bull or a monster drink or something, something like that to just give me the jolt yeah. I need, you know, I think and a lot of comedians do that too, probably by the way, <laughs> they yeah. get their jolt of caffeine before they go on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I find like, I don't even know why I drink coffee. Like coffee doesn't taste great. You know, it's not, I don't like, think so. There's no. just something about like, I don't know, just having like a hot drink and then the energy you get off of it. It's like almost like a high, like I'm uh, I'm sure like cigarette smokers are like this too. When they get like the nicotine too, like yeah. what you're doing, it doesn't taste good at all, but it just becomes like a part of your life. And almost <laughs> to the point where like, I have to have a coffee every morning and I'm like, why am I like this? Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, and in the summer too. Like, it's already like, <laughs> like, and in the summer too. It's yeah, already, yeah. uh, you know, twenty-five to thirty degrees out there. And you're like, I'm gonna have a hot drink. I was like, you people, you people are nuts that like coffee. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 insanity. It just and it just shows like how like human nature. You can just adapt to like like these habitual like. Um, patterns and it just becomes so a part of you and like almost to the point where you're not thinking about like right now I just kind of got me thinking about it it's like why do I have a coffee on a hot summer day every morning like it's just it's just like part of who you are and and like just in life too like kind of like to go full circle with the the conversation too uh just kind of growing up in like a smaller town and I would kind of mentioned like where a lot of people had like certain ignorance and stuff and it's almost like 
becomes like just a part of the culture of the people you surround yourself around and everything and I don't know I feel like I'm, I'm not to not I actually I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say I was just gonna piss off a lot of people in my my hometown who uh, are, are good people are there's, yeah, there's and really mine too people. my yeah, my yeah. hometown as well you yeah. know I'm talking about the my experience in my hometown when I was a kid which is you know I'm sure I'm sure all the the people in in little Sydney BC right by Victoria Mm. uh won't mind the fact that i was like yeah no I, there were some issues <laughs> there probably yeah. still are yeah, small towns are always are just interesting places uh but uh you know makes for great great source material when you're when you're older <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah now as a, a writer performer you're probably like oh all these all these past uh, moments of uncomfort and like all yeah. these things it's like yo i can just use it now and it's almost like I always find that like such like a be beautiful like poetic thing as like whether you're like a stand up or a writer or a song mm -hmm. maker too you can uh, you can take almost like a negatives and turn it into a positive and yeah. make money from it and oh it's just like the ultimate uh I don't know just defense against that and fuck you and like yeah, yeah no like, kidding like yeah it's it's amazing it's like hey hey trauma that was caused i'm gonna i'm gonna turn this around and i'm gonna make money off of it yeah yeah you know? <laughs> just turn it into like gold and yeah it's and it's tragic you have to have some of that to have those moments but i don't know that's human experience you know ups and downs all that stuff yeah i mean you don't need to have those kind of experience to be a comedian but it helps <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but Robert, I'm I'm not gonna take too much more of your time, even though I could talk to you all day. This is uh this is really fun and uh I'm definitely gonna check you out. Like like we mentioned, courtyard comedy. Uh yeah from August 7th to the 28th. Right now, I think it's like the eighth. Um yeah, today today is the eighth. So our next one is coming up on the 14th with headliner Martha Chavez, who's an amazing uh Nicaraguan Canadian LGBTQ comedian. And uh, yeah, just and just great lineups all through through uh, the rest of August as well. You can check that out by going to Linktree slash Courtyard Comedy, and it'll have uh, connections to all the dates there. Amazing! And I'm gonna get this episode out as fast as possible. I recorded a couple more. I'm gonna give this one the bump since you got this Snap. festival going on. And uh, you're the yeah, best. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it out to one of them. And uh, once again, Robert, thanks for your time. And so nice to meet you, man. Yeah, likewise. You have a great you. I hate it's easy to to have have fun and have great energy when the person interviewing you has great energy. So thank you, Sean. Hope you guys enjoyed these episodes. And like I said, you can check out Robert's shows on August twenty fourth and the twenty eighth, Courtyard Comedy, and uh, follow him on social media for everything else the guy like he does it all we said it before we'll say it again comedian writer producer a lot of stuff going on with him and his brand gay af and before we go like always we got to give a special thanks to all you legends on the patreon first up the co-producer jeremy hopkin of hopkin design Ola Mizuka of Sonic Fold, Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, Pat Maloney, Ryan Campbell, Daniel Sun, Drew Stewart, Devin Staple, Mike Ulio, David Kearney, Jared, Mr. Spicy Bronstein. What up, Pepper? Thanks for joining the Patreon. And last but not least, Francis Coffer, aka my mom. Can't thank you guys enough. Every little bit helps. And if anybody else wants to help out the show and get a shout out and get content earlier and all of that, you can check us out 
at patreon.com slash the creative imbalance and that's all for now we got another episode coming for you real soon in a couple days and we'll catch you then cheers